nice things. Hello, good evening, and welcome to another fun-packed, thrill-filled edition of Nice Things. Nice Things. The antidote to modern living. And joining me, Sir Michael Livesley, this week we have... My name's Paul Carmichael, and I'm jolly well pleased to be here and didn't think of anything to say, as you can possibly tell there, Mike. Yes, well, yeah. you know, you could have robbed one of Rick Mayall's speeches, couldn't you? <laughs> that it generally worked. worked. It worked. It jolly did work. I've but... been a uh, witness to you being stopped in the street. Absolutely. He's not going to sue, so I don't think he'd mind, would he? No. You're going to steal? Steal from the best, I say. Absolutely, yeah. No, that was a wonderful speech that he did, and then I borrowed. It was fantastic. Borrowed you know, a little of. Yeah. The sort of inner, you know, need for justice mm. um, sort of did know at me a little. I thought I should do a... Um, a protest, a dirty to protest. stand up in the middle of the thing and just go, <laughs> that man has stolen a speech. Yes. Do not but, applaud this man, however. But it's terrible, isn't it? Nobody else noticed. I was quite annoyed by that. I thought I was treading a very fine line. At least you didn't talk about Chumbawamba. I didn't do that. Absolutely not. No. Uh, no, I, I would have no, got never knocked good. down and not got you, back up again. Yes, you didn't get oh. back up again. No. Anyway. When I was a student, one of the jobs I had was promoting bands, mm. and Chumbawamba were one of them. They did a they did a tour with Credit to the Nation, um, mm. who were a hip hop act. I think they were two brothers. I'm not sure, mm. um, but yeah, Chumbawamba. I had um, a, a tie dyed Yes T shirt on mm. at the time, um, which was, you know, not a, essentially a popular move. It certainly didn't make mm. me many friends. And one of the blokes at Chumbawamba just looked at it and said, "That is their most hideous T shirt I have ever." seen oh fair point fair point vague memory at the same time of falling over in front of doctor and the medics Ooh. uh i can recall doing that and i i was also escorted from uh from a building having t thrown my chelsea boots at anton deck fair enough okay go on then a what, sensible... what? well no it was at uni university and they've been hired uh, to come in as the as the guest at one of the balls, and we had as they call themselves then PJ and Duncan. I was just going to say, were they PJ and Duncan? Then? They were PJ and Duncan, and they came on to perform. Let's get ready to rumble. And I naturally took a certain amount of umbrage with this, and uh, felt that I had to launch some sort of a protest, which I did by launching a boot at the stage and just missed Declan Donnelly's head by that much. You but, were like uh, that Iraqi guy with George Bush. You were absolutely. ahead of your time, weren't you? Absolutely, yeah. The, however, the security didn't find it funny or no, satirical and um, escorted me. Were you no fan of Biker Grove then? I tried to be. I, I thought, thought you'd love Biker Grove. You look yeah. like a press gang man to me. Oh, no, no. Well, that was children's ITV. I wouldn't have been aware of that. And they, I, I didn't understand, because we had a, a sort of a school newspaper. There was a great injustice, actually, that I recall suddenly, oh. um, which is uh, John Craven's news round. Mm. Once had this idea. Was there a general election, mid-80s, 80, 86, 87, something like that? I think that. there was one in 88. Right, 88 it would have been. And uh, we had the the uh, news round general election where basically the idea was your school could sign up and uh, become, uh, you know, you could have votes in your school, send them to John Craven's news round and it all go from there. And so I thought, brilliant, let's get our school to do this. So I contacted John Craven's news round. I said, my school will do this. I set everything up. And then it was given to the school council, Bellens, of which I was never a member. And suddenly I got no credit for that at all. I'm still angry about this. 
Same year as I turned down Why Don't You. It was ah. not a good idea. It was not a good year. I was thinking that uh, anecdote was marching with ill-deserved confidence toward the uh, discussion. Mm. Yes, there was no such opportunities for me at my school. Of course, no. we were too busy going down pit and uh, scrubbing out the tin bath, you know. Absolutely, yes. Um But sounds like you went to a good school. Mm. I went to a school that you had to be either Jewish or musically inclined uh, to go to. So hence I, the violin. I, hence the violin, which I was forced to play so I could get into a decent school. Um, but they also really valued students who were focused and academically gifted. And I was neither um, oh. at all. Um, I was very good at looking academically gifted. I could play the role quite mm. well, but the results didn't back it up. This is why I once got uh, a comment on a school report that said, Paul does his level best to appear to do nothing. Which I've never, I've never quite pulled that apart sufficiently to understand. I he think does that his, still holds true. Yeah, he does his level best to appear to do nothing. I quite, I quite like that. It certainly appears that that was your first notice, doesn't it? I, I like to think of that as being... Didn't of, you do school yeah. plays? Too many strikes. Is that, no! Yes, yes, we did. Um, as I recall, um, we did some. We did uh, the Resistible Rise of Arturo Ui. Oh wow! Um, yeah, and I was well up for playing Ui on that. Uh, yeah. But but uh, I didn't come from a minted family. We had several families from South Liverpool who were very, very, very well respected mm. because they owned businesses and stuff like that. My dad was an agricultural labourer, so I was never going to be given the part of Arturo Ui or Butcher or any of the other good parts. <coughs> I got I got to be a newsreader in that. i livid. Absolutely livid. So I yeah. acted the arse off everybody else. I upstaged disgracefully. I pulled focus at every single moment. And I enjoyed that. Yeah, I bet you did. I played oh. Joseph in our nativity play. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got that gig. That's, um, that's a nice gig to get. Yeah. The lead, you know. Yeah. I got the angel of death in the nativity. I think we've covered this, haven't we? We have. I got the angel of death, and then it got cut during the performance. I was furious. Well, that's Never what happens, you see. That. That's what happens in productions. You've got to get used to the cut and thrust, darling. No, oh, absolutely. But not <laughs> at the age of seven, which is when that uh, happened. Well, it means you don't go chucking paint up paintings, soup up paintings. There is absolutely that. I would there not is have done that. that. Be... No, you wouldn't have done that. Really? I remember we did a fair bit of sort of graffitiing in school. Really? Yeah, you know, writing on desks and stuff. Oh, I remember on that. a desk. I, I may have done something. Um, I vaguely recall. Oh, I wrote a comment about another girl's about a girl's breasts, um, but got caught doing it, and that was quite embarrassing. Oh yes. Well, you should have just stuck to drawing cocks on the donkeys in the RE textbooks, you know. Would have like been a lot more straightforward. Like I, I miss I miss that at school, you know, when you had the textbooks because they were just covered, weren't they? In giant oh I cocks. Oh I. Oh the, happier it's, days. <clears throat> it's weird, isn't it? When they used to do, do you remember pen rubbers? Mm. And they'd try and get rid of them. Yes. And then they'd just be it just make it even worse. Yeah, you'd just have a smeary cock then. And there was the time when, I don't know if this was like nationwide, not the TV programme so beloved by yourself, when when everyone discovered Tipex, mm. it was around about the third year for us, which yeah. would be what, year nine now? Um, yeah, but everyone so. started to discover Tipex. Mm. And there was a kind of um, 
it was Parker Pens and Tipex, and there was this sort of status that went along with it, mm. having Tipex and stuff, and then people started sniffing Tipex. I remember that being a thing, yeah. sniffing Tipex, and it doing absolutely nothing. Nothing. Nothing, nothing whatsoever. No. However, I did have a friend who created a stink bomb, which he brought in that made people black out. I mean, you would literally lose consciousness. He got it. He had a chemistry <laughs> set, um, and these days he's quite he's doing quite important work for the Ministry of Defence. It has to be said. Well, it will be. Yeah, but it, it was just <clears> from his little chemistry set, he mixed exactly the right compounds. And I recall sitting in assembly, and he brought out this test tube from his from his blazer pocket with a cork stopper. And he went, here, have a sniff of this. And I thought, oh, okay, fair <laughs> enough. This won't do anything. And he took it off. And I remember the feeling of the chemicals going into my eye and then blacking out in assembly for a while. I mean, it was quite hazardous. He also invented a machine uh, so that he could electrify door handles. And he had great fun electrifying his, electrocuting his mother from that. Well, that's why he's in the MOD, isn't that's he? That's it, yeah. That's you know, exactly. that, this is the perfect training for that. Mm, absolutely. But um, no, no school, as I recall, school was, for me, just something I wasn't particularly good at. So I, I made sure that the things I was good at, which was on the musical side, I, I gave that a go. And also I made damn sure that I was in the school choir because that entirely consisted of girls. And well, yeah, that was that was that was any reason one aspired to anything. Oh, yes. I got absolutely. good at maths. I got good at all sorts of things just so I could sit next to certain girls in school. Mm. You know, oh, I'm yeah. sure that still goes on now. Oh, I think it probably does, actually. Mm. Yeah. So. Yeah, education wasn't for me. No. No. But, but well, <clears throat> no, you say that. Ed formal education wasn't for you. No. But the education that you got from your nan. Oh, I, yeah. Well, that I, was that interesting. Was... That was interesting stuff, exactly. Mm. And if you got if you got the occasional teacher who was interesting, oh, that was gold. Yeah, yeah. You got the odd one, Mr. Gannon. Obviously, I've mentioned him before. He was a mm. belter. Mm. Um, but only because it was about where I was from. I was only ever interested in that, really. Mm. I was always interested in, you know, the sort of the history of how... You want to know how you got somewhere. Yeah. You know? You want to know about when you walk in effectively, I don't know about you, but when you walk in amongst the ruins of uh, an industrial landscape, for example, mm. you're interested in what, what those things are. You know, what is that rusty, bloody thing that's over there? What is that building that's that's falling apart? What was it, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. That, there was that... a shop on the front near us, and it had, it was an old shop. It's never been a shop. It was just mm. an old shop that was abandoned. And it had, like, you know, number six stickers peeling at the tops of its windows and mm. players and all these things, all these brands that had, you know, recently departed shelves and stuff. Mm. So that was interesting because you'd watch some old bit of telly and they'd be talking about woodbines and things like that. And, and there were words that were still in common vernacular, brand names that had gone, you know, and areas had names that were no longer valid because the industry had left. So that was interesting. Yeah. The social history was genuinely mm. interesting, I suppose, but more so than being the dates of things, which seemed to be an absolute fixation for our history teachers. Dates. You had to remember mm. dates. Um, yeah. And then I remember being taught in one lesson, we had, we had two history teachers who hated each other. Mm. And we had one who taught us about, you know, the six wives of Henry VIII, uh, divorced, beheaded, died, 
divorced, beheaded, survived, and all that. And we had that. And then the next day we had our second history lesson. He's like, okay, what did you learn from Mr. Brett? And we all repeated that. And he went, no, not true. He had two wives. What? Two. Because some of those marriages were annulled. So he only actually had two wives legally. Go back and tell Mr. Brett that. And I did. Excellent. And that was a that was a mistake because I got who told you that and I went oh, no one and he went detention, <laughs> which seemed rather unfair. And the the teacher who hosted that detention was the man who told me to go back. You see more injustice, utter injustice, more injustice. It runs uh. like a, a brown line from look back in anger to the royal family, doesn't it? Something has to apparently. Uh, oh yes. No, I, I I remember a lot of my history was informed and and complemented by the Carry On films. You know, you'd have Carry On Henry, yes. which, which went alongside. But at the same time, you'd have A Man for All Seasons and stuff. I often, it, it's interesting, isn't it? The Carry On films often follow on from historical or otherwise dramas, and they reuse the costumes and the sets. Well, I was about to say, absolutely. It was just cost effective for Peter Rogers, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, because the Fantastic. budgets were not good. Um, so yeah, but then there was I, I always think there was an intelligence to those. They were written. Talbot Rothwell obviously knew what he was talking about yeah. when he wrote when he wrote those pieces. To so that he could encapsulate everything that you needed to tell the story and then fill it with dirty jokes and tits. So there were some but, great dirty jokes in those films. There were absolutely wonderful. But some you had to have setups. you had to have <clears throat> That that bedrock of of knowledge to be able to have something to hang all the dirty jokes on. If if you hadn't have had that, that yeah, that's true. That's which, true. Certainly with Carry On Henry. Mm, absolutely. Well, what was the chopper joke in that? There's a chopper joke, and I can't remember what it is. I shall have to watch it again. Um, but Carry On Henry is lovely. Oh, it's, there's that great joke where the plotting isn't it? Isn't it? And. Um, Bill Maynard plays an ancestor of Guy Fawkes. Yes. Giving Kenneth Connor the opportunity to just do a Fawkes. <laughs> There's some yes. great pretend swearing in them. Wonderful stuff. But then you've just got Kenneth Connor and he's brilliant in whatever he does. Kenneth Connor's fantastic. Last appearance that I know of was in um, the memoir of Sherlock Holmes. Really? So when would yeah. that have been? About 80... God knows. 88, 89? Yeah, 88, 89. The actual appearance would have been about 91, 92. You see, you think of <laughs> Kenneth Connor as being somebody who went quite recently, but I suppose not. No, no. Early 90s, mid 90s. Yeah, I suppose um, so, yeah. But, I mean, he was brilliant, obviously, in everything he did. Those mm. early carry-ons where he's a bit younger, a bit difficult, mm. aren't they? Because he's sort of, he's not the Kenneth Connor we know. No, because he's in Sergeant, isn't he, with Bob Monkhouse, I think. Yeah. And, and he plays it not as Kenneth Connor. No, it's, it's very nervous and anxious, isn't it, and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, which is not the Kenneth Connor that you knew. I mean, to me, Kenneth Connor, most of all, was uh, Monsieur Leclerc. And yeah. oh, the face when the Dicky Ticker would, would take the off. The Dicky Ticker. Suck the cheeks in and then just fall toward camera and past. God, he could fall beautifully, Kenneth Connor. Yeah. I loved his falls. Oh, yeah. Was, Fabulous man. There's nothing you couldn't make those films now. I mean, it's, it's, it's such a glib observation and nowhere near original. But you know, um, I do wonder when we're going to get something decent come along next. Well, they they keep saying 
every so often you go, oh, they're going to relaunch the Carry On films, and it's always starring Barry from EastEnders. <coughs> That's right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's called Carry On London again, is it? Again. Right. Let's see if yeah. this happens. No, it isn't. Right. No, okay. I think that's it. Now, I think that even Columbus was a misstep. I, I'm not not keen. Well, it's that lovely thing, isn't it, where um, Maureen Lipman and John Pertwee both met on the set, and they were both sort of like looking rather sheepish because they they thought they were turning up to do that film 1492, that big budget film about Columbus, and they Did were in they Carry On. They no, did. they didn't. No, but you know what Pertwee was like. Oh, well, I do now, you telling me, because I was very excited about his story about how he found the coin and the ring in the jar, and you were like, oh, no. Oh, no, absolutely not. Not, not a bit, sure not a bit about of that. It. Absolutely certain. I think pretty much everything that Pertwee ever said you could attribute to somebody else. Um, although then... Then the things that were actually true, the thing about the fact that he was taken off the HMS Hood, um, what, a matter of six hours before it was blown up and yeah. everybody was killed. That's true. That's yeah. absolutely true. And there's another one where he was um, in the NAFI uh, when a bomb was dropped on it and he was basically left for dead. That's completely true as well. I mean, it's remarkable um the things when when he talks about, when he talked about them in his one-man show and you can hear when the emotion hits his voice. And you get this, but then the raconteur and the showman, you know, comes out mm. and overpowers it. But then that's what he was. Wonderful. He played guitar as well, didn't he? I've seen photos of him with the guitar. I think, <clears> is <throat> he is he playing, uh, is it shot of him on Songs for Vulgar Boatmen? I think he's got a guitar on that. Or I'm is not it... sure what it was. I know that, um, wasn't it in The Demons where they had to change the schedule because he had a, uh, Chris Barry had to miss his sister's wedding. That's right, yeah. Because he had, we had to a go gig. to do a cabaret on the... Yes. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, and Chris Barry then, so you know, because he was tied to the maypole and that, and Chris Barry's like, oh, no, just leave John there. Leave him there while we have lunch. Yeah, I'm really pissed off with him. Yes. Oh, right. yes. Absolutely wonderful. John Pertwee's a very nice thing. Mm. Overpowering nice to thing. meet. Just bizarrely overpowering to meet. He's very tall, wasn't he? Well, very tall, and he, he did like to make an entrance. I mean, I remember that uh, a convention <coughs> I went to in about 93 or something like that, where you had Caroline John and Richard Franklin and Nick Courtney all on stage, and he'd been backstage, and obviously they started going, oh, so we've got all these people, and is there anybody missing? And everyone went, no, no, no. And then from the back of the auditorium, hey, what about me? And Pertwee marches in. You know, yeah, he's demanded that entrance. Fair play. Yeah, him. that's true. There's Why a great not? story on um, someone put on a website about that uh, return to Devil's End. Mm -hmm. And they were saying uh, there were a little lad there. Oh, there was a little lad there who was just like, I've just seen Wurzel Gummidge in a tent smoking. Because <laughs> he was obviously having a crafty fag. You got any oh, yeah. nice things this week then? Uh, nice things. No, no, I got my John Lennon record uh, last week. I'm waiting on a couple of things in the post. Well, I'm waiting on uh, a little big finish thing. Oh, um, here we go. Well, yeah, no, this is researched here because uh, in, in March, coming next March, um, I get to go on stage and interview mm. Colin Bacon and Michael Jaston together. Very nice. Now, now, 11-year-old me, who <laughs> thought that the trial of a Time Lord was the pinnacle of television. I, yeah. I genuinely... Thought I, I thought that season was just magnificent. It was also the first time I we'd bought a video recorder in time for that season, so I was able to record that myself. 
very carefully chopping out the continuity, which then, of course, annoyed me later. Um, but, yeah, uh, me too. That was magnificent. I used to sit there and uh, very carefully take out the adverts and things. And... I edited the Mysterious Planet into one thing. So really? I rewound the tape, paused mm. it at the end of the cliffhanger, mm. and I'd obviously got used to it, how they did it. And yeah. I'd be waiting. And when the cliffhanger ended on the you know, episode two or three or four, whatever. It's like, mm. unpause. And they were seamless. We got really good at that sort of thing. Oh, I could do, um, with Emmerdale, because uh, Sally Nivette from Blake Seven went into it, playing Fraser Hines' wife. So to me, that was just like, I have to watch that, obviously. And I got brilliant at taking the adverts out. So you'd get the Emmerdale Pharma code, diddly-doo, diddly-diddly-doo, fade to black, Seamlessly, it comes back for part two. I got very good. I got very that. good at that. Well, you knew, I think it was a 10 second, no, 10 frame rollback, maybe. It varied machine to machine. Well, like you'd think... count, you'd suss it out. Yeah, you had to get to know your VHS machine. But you generally get a bit of a sort of color whoop on the black. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, just for that second where it re recorded over. Yeah. yeah you'd, you'd get that, but I was yeah. very good at doing that. Yeah, God, far too good. Mm. I mean, boys who weren't have obviously got decent lives now. Well, yes, they were. But boys who were have got lovely collections of stuff. Uh, is it worth having? Wouldn't you swap it all for a sort of trophy wife and a big house on the hill? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. I can't think of anything worse. I'm sitting here surrounded by nice things like the scripts of Dad's Army and a DVD of the Tinger and Tucker Club. I'll take that. Thank you. Quite happily, I'll take that any time. Well, but, uh, uh, if there are any trophy wives listening, you can have all my nutty comics. Uh, you... <laughs> so I thought that was going elsewhere. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, and you can contact Michael via um, yes. at, at Nice Things Show on Twitter. Please do. Yeah. Um, so I've got some of this week. You have. I have. Go on. Which I've not listened to yet. You don't even have to. Look at this. Okay, for those who are listening uh, without vision, Michael is holding up a record, which is the collected broadcasts of Idi Amin, the amazing boot black recording. What's it say on the bottom? By uh, this new best-selling LP. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> so, as you can see at the bottom there... It is John Bird, John Bird. who recorded oh, this. John um, Bird. Idia means one of those um, sort of, I mean, characters, but also personalities, really. Mm. <coughs> and I know Viv Stanchel as well mm. um, did a lot of Idi Amin stuff. Um, I don't know a great deal about Idi Amin, apart from he was a name that was on the news a lot when I was a kid. Mm. I I'm think... He was a pretty bad guy, actually. He was. I, I again, it's one of those these links that you make as a child because you don't understand what you're watching on the news particularly because it's just not interesting. Mm. And for some reason, I used to think that Idi Amin was Eddie Large blacked up. I remember that. <laughs> I genuinely did think that. I, I, so to this day, Idi Amin to me is Eddie Lodge. Um, 
Eddie Amin. Eddie Amin. Eddie yeah. Amin. So, and what I used to love with Little and Large was what every week when he used to do a sort of, he'd do his, in the middle of the routine, he'd do a singy bit, wouldn't he? He'd do like, Misty. And, yes. and he'd do like, one day in your life. Mm. And he'd sort of do this thing. I don't know why he did it. He'd do that and he'd do Deputy Dog. Always did Deputy Dog, yes. Yeah. Always got that. And uh, God, Sid Little was lucky, wasn't he? Oh, God, not half. My God. They were you... dreadful, though, Little and Large. They were, but my God, they got 11 series out of it. 11? They got to the early series. 90s. They did. I think the last series was 91. Might, might have been 90, 91, something like that. All of all. it dreadful. Oh, all of it. Absolutely all of it. dreadful. And the fact that the BBC basically brought them in because they'd lost Morecambe and Wise. What I do know. we do? Little and large, that's who we need. They should have got Cannon and Ball. Absolutely not. Oh, Cannon and Ball were brilliant. No, I couldn't be doing with them. Now, were they both evangelical Christians or just one? Because I know Sid Little decided to go down that route. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Mm. Something like that. They were brill, Cannon and Ball. Come on. You didn't like Cannon and Ball. I'm not sure we ever watched them because wouldn't they have been Saturday ITV? Absolutely. Absolutely not then. They wouldn't have been on. Didn't they go to the BBC? No. No. No, Did they not? no, absolutely no. not. Wouldn't have allowed that. No, Cannon and Ball were pure red-blooded ITV fodder, weren't they? Oh, absolutely. I think, weren't they one of the people who, after the strike in 79, when they did Welcome, Welcome, Welcome Home to ITV, that was a Cannon and Ball thing. That Was it? They, yeah, they used them to advertise Have that. you ever seen the movie Boys in Blue? Yes. Awful. Awful, but good. I disagree with probably two words of what you've just said. <laughs> well, it's a retread, I think I'm right in saying, of the Will Hay film, Ask a Policeman. Right, okay. It's one of those Will Hay films redone. Um, and Pertwee plays the character who comes in and asks them to put the light on the top of the police station because that guides the smuggling boat in or whatever it is. Right. Um, no, so you got to love Cannon and Ball. You little liar. No, 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 me skin. No. You got me skin. But this is the thing I've never found catchphrases funny because I'm always oh, doing the same thing again. But Bobby Ball looked like me Uncle Jim. I mean, there were lots of men who looked like Bobby Ball knocking about. But Bobby Ball also looked like he was in the provisional IRA in that skirt. <laughs> Absolutely you, terrifying. You seem to me. see a lot of these provisional IRA men around. I do. There were so many of them. As far as I was concerned, if they had curly hair and a moustache, or not even the tash, they didn't even need that. So whether it was Bobby Ball or Kevin Keegan, I thought, oh, Christ, they look like they're in Colin the IRA. Welland. Colin Welland. Absolutely. He could have been hiding Sentex quite easily. I was, I was terrified of the IRA as a child. I don't know why. I think my mother put it in my head that they were out right. to get me. I'm fairly certain that that's down to her. The IRA were bad hombres, weren't Ooh. they? Not, a, not, not what we would call a nice thing. We're, not we're a, a nice thing. God, It no. doesn't matter where we stand politically, whether we agree or not. I, the, the whole well. sort of blowing things up. Not <laughs> so good. The Brighton bombing was a big deal when we were kids, wasn't it? Norman mm. Tebbit covered in dust. Absolutely. That was a huge thing. Mm. Uh, the Brighton bombing. I remember that being covered by TVAM. But, oh, that's why I remember it. Uh, it the Brighton bombing led to TVAM getting an absolute bollocking 
under threat of having their franchise taken away because they were meant to have sent OB vans down to cover the party conference. Yeah. And they were like, we haven't got one. Doesn't matter. What we'll do is we'll send, what's his name? John Stapleton from Watchdog. Yeah. Send John Stapleton down. There's a, there's a phone box. He can just phone from that. So the biggest news story of the decade unfolds and they've got no pictures at all. Right. They've got John Stapleton in a phone box just like, well, I can sort of see it in the distance. And uh, the IBA kicked off massively and were like, what the hell are you doing? You know, BBC are all over this. If you don't sort this out, then pff, franchise is going to go. And it was one of the things that kicked TVAM up the arse and turned it into an incredibly good station was the Brighton bombing. But it's the threat of if you can't cover this, you're in trouble. Right. Stapleton talks about that as being an absolute nadir of his career to this day. It was a big deal. <clears throat> it was all a big deal at mm. that time. There yeah. was a lot of jeopardy in the world back then. More or less than now. Oh, well, it's all about perception, isn't it? I think that since Tony Blair completely destabilised the world geopolitically, <laughs> um, the, there are more contenders for that crown um, that the IRA sort of had to themselves. But nah, well, it's all perception anyway, isn't well, it? It is. But then again, I, I don't recall being quite as worried about the potential of someone setting up a nuclear bomb during the 90s as I am now or then. Ooh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Around about Threads time. Well, Threads We is were 80... doing all the Protect and Survive stuff in school. Yeah, but that's 81 to 83. I mean, if you go... <clears throat> forward to the 90s i think people have given up on the idea of no the, the 90s were lovely mm. the 90s were all you know we had the second summer of love didn't we in 88 mm. and then from there on in it was kind of like oh no everything's all right now exactly yeah. um but yeah. no i mean but the 80s were you know very sort of brown corduroy and Oh, yeah. And, uh, and pale blue. And Patrick Allen's <laughs> voiceovers on Protect and Survive, like you say. Absolutely exactly. terrifying. But we did all that in school. We had mm. to watch those in school. They were bloody terrifying. Oh, we were, we're, this is the thing, you see, with me saying that I went to um, a, a school where you had to be Jewish or musical to get in. Um, we also had the threat of anti-Israeli violence as well. So we had uh, several things. We had the, the fire alarm, as you would have, but we also had the panic alarm. And if the panic alarm went off, it was like you have um, for school shooters in America now. If the panic alarm went off, it meant there was quite possibly someone coming in to shoot everybody. And you had to run if you could or get under a desk. And I, I, remember, <clears throat> I remember once I'd been naughty for some reason. And I've been made to stand at the front of the class in a lesson. And the panic alarm went off and everyone got under a desk. And I thought, who? Oh, and I went to get under a desk and the teacher just went, stay there. I'm like, what? <laughs> panic alarm's going, stay there. So, oh, God almighty, I'll get shot now as well. I, remember, I wasn't very happy with that. I and mean, teachers could be brutal, obviously, but suggesting mm. that they you know, stand there and be shot. Mm. I wasn't happy with that. Well, by no, the PLO, presumably. Yeah, but... Um, yeah, it, there's recently though they, they've been re-showing, um, they've re-shown um, a public information film from 1973, which is quite relevant now because it's telling people how to. And of course, this is the time when we're talking about blackouts and all that sort of thing. And this public information thing is telling you how to save fuel during Christmas time, and it's very severe. You know, Happy Christmas, but don't be warm. That sort of thing. And right. Once, once again. Patrick Allen doing the voiceover. So he made quite a career from doing that to protect and survive and all those sort of things. And of course, then 
Vickery's big night out. He's the please welcome Britain's leading seamstress, Vic, uh, Vic Reeves. And then the bloke on the X Factor, after Patrick Allen dies, basically robbed the gig by impersonating him. So yeah, like that's that. right. He's still going, isn't he, that guy doing he, that? He's still going, <clears> pretending <throat> to be Patrick Allen, when Patrick Allen's at least 20 years dead. Great voice, though, Patrick Allen. Wonderful voice. Brilliant voice. He's in um, He's in the last episode of the first series of Blackadder, of The Blackadder. Yeah, that's uh, right. And he's wonderful. My <clears> God, <throat> he's tall and handsome. He looks rather like Andre Morel. Um, with this white hair and this tash that he's got. Uh, but with the voice, my God, he's a presence. So yeah. no wonder they chose him to tell you to where to bury Granny in the event of fallout. Well, of course. You he's great in that. the casebook of Sherlock Holmes in uh, The Empty House, the mm. one where he comes back from Reichenbach. Um, speaking of Andres, Annette Andre in The Brothers. Cool. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> oh, Annette Andre in anything. In yes. anything. You've got that look. Yeah, Randall and Hawker deceased. There she is. Ye gods. My mm. hell. And then Annette Andre is used because Ronnie Allen gets sacked from Crossroads. How are we going to write him out? Ronnie Allen, whose character never really put a foot wrong after 14 years, this Australian comes over to produce it. Don't approve. How do we get rid of him? What would make him want to leave his wife? Make him have an affair with Annette Andre. Fair enough. Yeah, that'd do it. That would do it. That made him leave Sue Lloyd in the show. That was a reason to leave. So, yeah, Annette Andre. I think she adheres to your uh, lady rule as well. Yes, she does. She is is at the right height. Yes. Absolutely. So she she doesn't exceed the maximum height for a lady. She stands like a lady. Lady. Proper lady. She's an incredibly attractive woman. Mm. When she's when she turns up on the brothers, because I mean you've got Hillary there who's who's gorgeous. Uh, but then Annette Andre is kind of a very, very different kettle of fish. Mm. Almost non-human in her mm. sort of luminescent beauty. Rather like Alexandra Bastido in yes. the champions. Yes. Just or if that was made now, you'd look at that and you think, well, they've got that's got to be just a CGI person yeah. because that's yeah. too beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's too many boxes ticked in one person. Yeah, I bet it was. Uh, yes. Yes, yes. Well, she's great. And she turns up and she just is luminescent, like I say. Don't know if mm. she comes back in it yet. There are threats. That she does. I, I shan't give anything no. away, but no, they they do an awfully good job with the ladies and the brothers. You are you are but a series and a half away from Kate O'Mara doing the do it playing Kate O'Mara for the first time because after she plays Kate O'Mara in the brothers, she then turns up playing Kate O'Mara in yeah. Howard's Way, and then she's Kate O'Mara in Dynasty, and she just plays Kate O'Mara. Yeah, just wonderfderfully camp. Oh God, the Rani camp. Camp as yeah. anything. There's yeah. a lovely, um, there's a Leave lovely the girl. Camp. It's the man I want. And you know what? When when she said that, well, how old would I have been? I'd have been twelve, and I thought that was the best acting I'd ever seen. Oh, I thought yeah. oh, you still do. I do actually. <laughs> I do. Yeah, it's uh, not twelve anymore, but I still think the way she delivers those lines, that's telly acting. Yes, that's, that's proper. There's a wonderful outtake from when they did that dimensions in time thing for children in need where she's really going for it. She's with a very young Samuel West on set, and she's really going for it. And then Gary Downey pops in and just says, um, 
John says, could you dial down the camp a bit? And she just looks at the camera and goes, John wants less camp? Really? <laughs> <laughs> it's just, but, um, and she doesn't at all, of Has course. Has that been released yet then? No, can't be. No, can't I know be. you said it can't be. No, it's it's in the contracts at the time. The agreement was that the, the actors would do it free on the grounds that it would never be repeated and uh, never be released. So, no, I'm afraid not. That's astonishing. They, they don't, don't just release it to raise money for, uh, was it Children in Need or Comic mm. Relief? That was Children in Need, yeah. Filmed on the set of EastEnders. Nobody got paid uh, a penny for it, but the agreement was it would never see the light of day again. Of course, it's on YouTube, naturally. Yeah, but it's that crappy VHS version, isn't it? Oh, it looks awful. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's the version we've all got. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. Know. It'll be sat somewhere. Ian Levine will have it. He'll have a beautiful tape somewhere. Mm, not yeah. letting me have it. No, you're not allowed it. Not you'd allowed uh, it. you'd pop looking at Kate. Uh, I would actually. <clears throat> yeah, but she's... she did she die? She's died. Yeah, she died. She died a while ago. Uh, I think one of her last roles was Crossroads when they brought Crossroads back, which they right. did twice. They brought it back in two thousand and one as a soap opera that was rather good. And then I think somebody, naming no names, David Cameron, um, decided that the studios at Nottingham are rather nice, aren't they? They'd make nice real estate. So the way that they dealt with that was they took Crossroads off for six months and then brought it back, and it was just camp. I mean, mm. Jane Asher leading it. And then they brought in a different um, guest star each week. One week the guest star was uh, Lionel Blur playing a character called Valentine Stardust. I'd like and, to see that. I mean, it is stunning stuff. It only lasted 90 episodes, but... Uh, just, just the 90. Yeah, just just the 90, and then it was like, oh, no, that's over now. With Now we can sell Lenten Lane. So, uh, you know, the studio is now part of the University of Nottingham, I think. All gone. All gone. All gone. Don't need studios. Who needs studios? Apart from when you suddenly realise you've got nowhere to film anything, as often happens now. Let's build it in Manchester. That was a good idea, wasn't it? Let's build Coronation Street next to a dock, because that won't be ensure that we've got seagull sounds everywhere, even though they've never been there since 1960. Ridiculous. Media so, City. <clears throat> what do they do about the seagulls? They did something involving soundproofing it, but I can't remember what now, but... Um, yeah, it, it was a problem um, when they built it there. Um, and, of course, the studios at Media City. There's a, there's a bit of a thing, from what I can understand, um, where people will always judge a studio by its first production. And that's why TV Centre opened with First Night, which is just this massive show that starts with a man tap-dancing up Wood Lane. <coughs> And he tap dances in through the reception of Television Centre and he tap dances into Studio One. And it's wonderful. The first show made at Media City was called Don't Scur the Her and featured a four foot tall robot her. And that was basically the concept for the game show. Shite. Awful. The studios, studios aren't big enough, in my opinion. But I made a mistake the other night. I watched the uh, new look Blankety Blank. What? I did. Who's hosting this? Bradley Walsh. No. Right. Well, you can say that. However, I would say he is the one name that you might know of um, because the panel consisted of, who did I recognise? The Reverend Richard Coles. Yeah. Uh, recognise him. Um, a, a bloke 
called Joe Swash. I think he was on EastEnders. He's a Cockney. Sounds like you wash the end of your cock. It does, doesn't with, it? Doesn't it? Pass really? me a bottle of Joe Swash, would Absolutely. you? Absolutely. give the old Joe a swash. But they've, they've really buggered this up. Because, of course, the point of Blankety Blank is the questions. I mean, obviously, the blank, you would always be able to say penis, and mm. it would work. But now the questions don't make any sense. So one of the questions, right, uh, was some people would say that whenever he appears on television, Joe Swash looks a little blank. Well, penis. It doesn't work. Pe well, that's the penis doesn't work. But nothing. But then you could put anything in there at all. So it could be uh, looks a bit sad, looks yeah. a bit angry, looks a bit tanned. So the poor contestant just said, confused. And then every single member of the panel came up with a different word. Right, Nobody yeah. got any points. But then the next question uh, was, uh, my mother-in-law um, got confused the other day and uh, with her knitting needles and went into the kitchen and instead used a pair of blanks. What would that be? Chopsticks, mm. obviously. So that person then gets full points, but it's like, that's the only answer it could be. So they've really bollocked up blankety blank. How do you bugger up something so simple as blankety blank? I'll tell you how you do it. You give it a big budget and a big set, and it's got a huge set. Right. The joy of blankety blank was it was cheap crap, and everybody knew it was cheap, and it gave Wogan and it gave Dawson something to attack. But this has got a big set. Haven't they brought it back with, uh, didn't Lily Savage do it? Lily Savage did it for two or three series, then it failed because it just, because there's, because there aren't the celebrities anymore. You know, you used to have a, celebrities, it would be Sue Pollard, Lindsay DePaul, Roger DeCourcy, all these people, yeah. and you'd know them. Proper. These days, there was someone called Hugo something, not Hugo, Hugo something. Um, there was a woman who I, I think was in the Pussycat Dolls. Does that ring a bell? No, no, I know who they are, though. Do you? One of them. Uh, one of them. She was thick. No. Sounds no. like poo to me. Oh, it's ass. Absolute yes. ass. And then that was followed. Because I thought, well, it can't get any worse. And it did. Right. Mm. It did. It was followed by something called I Can Hear Your Voice. Now then, I Can Hear Your Voice. You've got six people, six contestants. And they walk onto the stage and they lip sync to a song. No. And from that, you've got to guess which one of them is actually a singer. Based on nothing. Literally based on nothing. And that's You're better the... off putting Taste My Tea on. Yes. But that's the show. <laughs> that was it. That was I Can Hear Your Voice. Basically, which of these lip syncers do you think could actually sing? That was an hour. No, yeah. fucking no. Oh, no, absolutely. See, this is why I don't have a TV aerial. Oh, so no. I'm never tempted into this world of shit. Well, you haven't got a TV aerial because nobody's got them anymore either. The, the digital revolution not. has happened since you stopped watching television. Oh, well, I, I made sure that my smart TV doesn't have any of those apps on it, you know, so you can receive like BBC and all that other business. Well, yeah. how does a smart TV receive television then? Uh, aerial Freeview works with an aerial, doesn't it? Oh, Freeview does, but that's not mm. smart TV, is it? Smart TV needs an internet connection. It's the interweb. 
does it? No, if you want to watch live TV, though, you've got to flick through the channel. There's an app on Live TV? No, yes, live TV. No, if you want to watch, for example, if you want to watch, what was it called? Taste My Tea or whatever. Yeah. Then you've got to sort of flick through the channels. You need an aerial for that. Unless you've I'm... got Sky, like you. Oh yeah, there's that. No, no, <laughs> it's it's all fiber optics and things now. No, I, I don't still know. Still an aerial, dear boy. All right, still an aerial. That's yeah. why everyone's got to pay the TV license. That's there. right. So right, when I had my chimney pot Ooh. put on the house, yeah. I had the aerial removed. Thereby, I can't receive diffused broadcast. Well, it's oh, shit a... anyway. Well, yeah, that's true. Well, you're missing out on tickle my tits or whatever it's called then. What? What's no, no, my tits? no, no, that's just nothing. That's it's just, just from your head. Just in my head. That would have yes. been on actual live TV. We would have it made Tickle would. My Tits. Yes. Yeah. That would have been good. Yes, featuring Edwina Curry. Mm. Um, we did have her daughter at live you TV. You did, I remember she, her. She was atrocious. Yeah. Shaved head. She'd Ooh. sit there next to Miff. I remember that. I can't believe I used to watch that bloody program. Oh, yeah. I really Miff, can't. With Miff Daniels, who introduced me to the phrase on the wonk, meaning who? gay. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Wonderful. I, I can't believe I watched that. Mm. I was one of your consumers. Mm. The amount of people, it used to be it was students uh, when I first started teaching who would uh, remember all oh, live TV. Now, of course, it's their parents yes. who remember live TV. But. Uh, it's a long time ago, dear. It is a long time ago. That's why you need to make something new. Oh, yes. Well, coming soon. Whenever coming we get, soon. Whenever we get two on. minutes to scratch our asses. Yes, yes, with a two-pence piece. Yes. Um, no. Um, you've you've provided me with enough proof that I'm glad I don't have a TV area and no. I don't watch TV. No, fair enough. That's Absolutely fair dreadful. Enough. There's got to be somewhat good on the telly, though. Um, no, there doesn't. No? No. So you're I paying can't... your license solely for the archers at this point? Yes, absolutely right. worth every penny. I mean, I get what? How many episodes? Well, what's hang on? What's six times fifty? About three hundred. So I get three hundred episodes of the archers <coughs> a year right. for that. That's worth it. How That's much abs- is the license? I don't know, hundred and sixty or so. I pay fifty p a day for the archers. Worth oh, it. Worth happily. it for you. Oh, he's froze. Happily, I no, I'm back. No. no, no, yeah, no. I will happily pay fifty p a day for the archers. Oh yes, that's beautiful stuff. That's like Emmerdale Farm before it was all exploding vets and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't watch any of it. Thank Christ. Um, yes. So, what about the coming week? What's the coming week have in store for Mr. Well, Carver? the coming week. Where are we? It's Wednesday, so we are when we are, we are four days away from the Doctor Who centenary special. Wow. Any whispers? I mean, it might be good. That's right. one whisper. Okay, uh, that I, sounds I exciting. And, the uh, last three years haven't been great. So right. they've not been brilliantly written. So um, I don't know what. I, I, I would say I'll watch it, but I won't be in the country. I don't think uh. so. Uh, uh, so if you could furnish me with that, I'd appreciate that. Just so I can sit there and go, no from somewhere far away um that's that's the coming week in television you've got that and another edition of i can hear your voice i can taste your tea i can taste your i can tickle your tits as you taste your tea yes absolutely. i'd watch that yeah, absolutely so are you doing uh, are you going to be nice thinking zing zinging it from 
your holiday I, destination? I, I might do a bit of the old foreign correspondence. Yeah, and, uh, straw yeah, hat. Yeah, that's what I have bought a new hat. Of course. Of course. It is a holiday. One it needs is. hats. Because I, I, all I want, all I want is to go out there and establish myself so that they go, ah, they call him the Englishman. That's nah. all I want. That's all. Well, you're going to have to do something pretty, um, what's the word, you know, mag- big enough to be seen in order to become the Englishman. What would you do over there? Teach the poor children of the borough all about Shakespeare? Would it be I that could, kind of I film? could do that. I could introduce them to Shakespeare. I think just walking around in the straw hat. And that'll being, be enough. That'll do it. I'll wander around like Wensley. What's his name in the Wensley, in the yeah. Lotus? No, uh, Wensley Pithy. Wonderful. He's in the Lotus Eaters. Where's a where's the straw hat? And he's very British in Greece. That's all he does. I, you I, need I money to that. be the Englishman though when you're abroad, don't you? But the, well, I can't do that. They've tanked the pound. I'm going to have to go out there and beg. <laughs> Furious about that. It's going to. What am I going to get for my? Pound for forty cents or whatever. Where is it you're going? Croatia. We need to go to Croatia and put. So things what's right. the currency there? That is the I've forgotten, and I've got some of the cash. But yeah, uh, the kuna, huh? which sounds dirty to me. It does. Yeah. So that's the kuna. So it worked out. I think something like I, I, ch- I just thought I'd change some cash, whack most of it on a credit card, but um, two hundred quid got me about three thousand kuna. Which makes make me feel quite rich, but then it's just two hundred quid. But is it three thousand things or two hundred quid's worth of goodies you get with that? Oh, uh, two hundred quid's worth of goodies. So the prices are more or less the same. Basically, yeah. I, up until about three weeks ago, it wouldn't have been the case at all. I could have gone out there with <coughs> two hundred quid and bought a house. Now, of course, thank you, Liz Truss. Now, of course, I should go out there and not be able to feed myself. Yeah, there's been a lot of shenanigans with the money the last few weeks. We need to speak to people that we know who know about such things, because I don't understand. I don't understand what's going on at no. all. No. Does it, does it mean I can't afford to buy nice things? That's all I care about. I don't know. Potentially, you know. Not happy with that. No. I don't Did like you say that. interest rates were going up? Yes. What's that mean? Um, means mortgages are going to be dearer. Right. Why is my mortgage going to be dearer? Because I'm already paying one. How can they make my mortgage more? Um, so there's interest rates. Right. right? Yes. And what they mean is that yeah. you pay more for your mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> there there you go. I know how much my mortgage is because, you know. It's, it's, it's yeah, but there's check. a percentage you're paying it back at, isn't there? There's a percentage of interest on it. So if you borrow 100 quid yeah. and it's 10% interest, you'd pay 110 quid back. That's mm. about right, isn't it? Right. So if you're paying that 100 quid back at a quid a week, it'd yeah. be £1.10. Right. And if they put it up to 20%, you'd be paying £1.20 a week. There you go. How's about that? Right. I so understand does... how money works. No, but does that mean my mortgage is paid off quicker? Because I'm oh, paying... Oh, no. Right. So what's going on there, then? Well, you see, the person, the bank that you've borrowed the money off, yeah, they will be borrowing money from a bigger bank, and so the interest rate that's set by the Central Bank of England or whoever it is, um, will mean they've got to pay more back, which means that you've got to bend over. I don't see why my house costs more because of this. No, it does. 
clearly. I know it does. I know. I absolutely know it does because I'm thinking about it. Sort of, my house is going to cost me an awful lot more. I don't understand why. Oh, it's just not... pay the damn thing off. Oh, okay. pay it off and damn his insolence. Damn his eyes. Yes. <laughs> I shall do that then. What is about that... you? What about you in the forthcoming week? <clears throat> Anything exciting? Yeah. Yeah. More. Much more things to do. Yeah. Then we've got to start writing other things. We've got a thing to write. We've got a thing to write, and we must get that thing written. We will get that thing written. We That's will get very, that thing written. It's a very nice thing. Uh, some you very have nice Friday. You have Friday off, don't you? No. This week you do. No, I don't. Yeah, you do. Do I? Yeah. Why? Uh, well, I could tell the world, or I tell you off air. Tell me off air. I'm yes. intrigued by this. I didn't you don't I ever had... check the Outlook calendar, do you? No. 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 I do. If I check the Outlook calendar, it tells me I have to do things. Yes, but no, this I don't is like a day that. where you don't have to do things. Potentially. Right, well, they should make that day a different colour. Yeah. Or if it made a special noise. But something. you don't look at the calendar, so you'd never see that special colour. I've got a calendar on the wall, so if somebody could pop around and draw on it. And draw on it. That would do it. Well, um, uh, does, does that count as reasonable adjustments in the workplace? I like to think it does, absolutely. Okay, well, let's see if we can arrange that. Essentially what I need is a secretary who looks like Hillary Temple. Yes, yes you'd like that, wouldn't you? Mm -hmm. Yes. In jobs. Yes, uh, yes, 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 uh, yes, 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 I would, I would. I'd like that too. I yes. would, yes. That'd be nice. Mm. Mm. Anyway. Yes. Um, we hope that whatever you're going to do is going to be a lot of fun, and we hope you enjoyed whatever that was from the yeah. two tired boys of old Stepney Town. That's Wednesdays um, for you. Yeah. Yeah, that's Wednesdays for you. Very low energy, mm. pressures of work. Mm. Um, so, until the next time. Goodbye. Bye-bye. <laughs>